This morning we're doing Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. So if you have your Bible, get it out. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, 1 to 7, we will be there all morning. Um, and we're focusing in on the subject of blessing this morning. So I'm going to read it to you. Ephesians 1, starting at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure, pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So, we're basically just going to work through the passage this morning and like study it together. So, starting in verse 1, there's Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So Paul's introducing himself, he's explaining who he is, laying out his credentials. He is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And in Paul's case, this is unquestionably true. It is definitely by the will of God that Paul is an apostle. Because before he was a follower of Jesus, he was persecuting and killing Christians. He wasn't exploring faith. He wasn't on the Alpha course. He didn't have friends who were inviting him to church. If you have someone in your life who you're like, I can't see how they would ever become a Christian. It was Paul. Um, but with God, all things are possible. And I'm going to read you Paul's testimony just so you grasp quite how much this was definitely by the will of God. Um, this is in Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, which was Paul's name before he met Jesus, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way were the people following Jesus, um, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name just in case you didn't know. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. I like how often the Bible tells you that they ate something. Anyway, not relevant. Um, there is no question that Paul's conversion was by the will of God. Like he says, he's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Lots of us don't have such obviously God-ordained conversion moments um, that lead us to become followers of Jesus. Usually there's humans involved in our, in our story, not just a light and a voice from heaven. Um, but have you ever asked God for his version of your story? Because you are a follower of Jesus by the will of God. Um, and an exercise that I have found really helpful in the past is to write out your testimony as you see it, and then to ask God to tell, him his ver tell, tell you his version of your testimony. And then just write down whatever you feel like he's saying, your testimony, but from his point of view. And you will get to see how he intervened in your story to lead you to know him. It's a, a really helpful exercise. I would really recommend giving it a go. So carrying on with our passage, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's praying blessing over the church in Ephesus. He's blessing them with grace and peace, and there's lots, lots more blessings in here. Um, verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Blessing in the Bible isn't what we generally mean when we say it in English. When we think of blessing at its best, we're like wishing someone well, saying, like, bless you. Um, or we're maybe being patronizing. Oh, bless you. Um, or we're just not sure what else to say. Um, but it's just sort of generally nice. Or if you say it about yourself, it's, it's like, oh, I'm so blessed. Like you're recognizing all the gifts that you have um, in your life, which is amazing. Really great to be thankful for what we have. But in the Bible, blessing is like, is being given riches from God, heavenly treasures. And in this passage, Paul says that God the Father has poured out blessing on us through Christ, through our being in Christ. And it's not just some blessings, it is every spiritual blessing. Um, when I went back to read this passage in my Bible, I've got a journaling Bible, so it's got like space down each side to write your thoughts and your questions and um, anything profound that you've thought. And um, I had written next to this uh, passage, um, even when things in the physical are hard, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ and therefore we have everything we need. Um, and I wrote that in March 2020. And you think you know what's coming, but it's not what you think. Um, <coughs> I went into uh, January 2020 um, feeling pretty rubbish. Um, I was very emotionally low. I was very disconnected from God. I'd come back off maternity leave a few months earlier and I'd found that maternity leave really lonely. And I'd really struggled to stay connected with my faith um, with having a baby in the service or often not in the service. Um, and small group just didn't work with bedtimes and feeding and all of that. And I came into the January feeling really low and God in his kindness started moving and he started speaking and lifting off the weight of loneliness and exhaustion and speaking to me about my relationship with him. 
And there was one passage that I felt him really challenged me on. And it was Matthew chapter 8, verse 19 to 20. And it says, Then a teacher of the law came to him, came to Jesus, and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And in this like new stage of life with a baby, Jesus challenged me on whether I really would follow him wherever he went, even if it meant having nowhere to live. And in matern- during my maternity leave, through the loneliness of that, home had become my safe place, the place that I escaped to, the place where I, I felt I could rest. And I realized that the security of my home had become a higher priority than Jesus. And so I began this whole wrestle with the Lord um, of like, I don't know if I really would go anywhere. Like I go lots of places, but I'm not sure if anywhere I would go. Um, And after doing this wrestle for a while, um, it suddenly occurred to me that Jesus doesn't send us off to places. We follow him to places. And that changed everything in my mind. Like, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere as long as you're going to be there as well. I'm just not going by myself. Um, And in this process, God gave me a really clear picture of him as a lion and me and Dave and Judah, who was our only child at the time, climbing onto his back and leaving all of our stuff behind and just going with him. And so he, he disentangled my heart from my physical stuff and especially from our home. And all of this processing happened in the first couple of weeks of January 2020. On the 17th of January 2020, um, it was a Saturday and we tried to Sabbath on Saturdays and it was officially the worst least relaxing Sabbath that has ever happened. It just was rubbish. Everything we tried to do was rubbish. We tried to like, what's the word, like resurrect it by going to a cafe, which was just the worst cafe I've ever been to. And, and we got home and we were like, we sat in the living room and we were like, I think we just need to like give up, make tea, put Judah to bed. And then we were sat there and then a van crashed into the front of our house, broke the wall and knocked me off the sofa. And it wasn't somebody doing something silly. It was a medical emergency and the driver lost consciousness. Um, and we literally just grabbed Judah and left the house. And so suddenly, Jesus disentangling my heart from our stuff and our home was very relevant. And the, the firemen who were there like grabbed us a coat and a pair of shoes each because Dave had gone out in his socks in January. And I'd gone out in his shoes, so no better than him. <laughs> and, um, and we were carrying Judah, who just had a onesie on. And then um, we had nothing else. And so they like grabbed us a coat and some shoes. Um, but we weren't allowed back into the house to get anything else because it wasn't structurally stable. And what we discovered is that we had every spiritual blessing in Christ. Judah was the first baby of our friendship group. So nobody really had anything, any idea what to do with the baby or any baby stuff. But our friends around the corner came and took him back to their house for tea. And they rang other people in the church who had had babies. Um, and they brought around travel cots and clothes and, you know, baby cups and spoons and bibs and all of the things, clothes, everything that you need for a baby. And another neighbor who we had never met before gave us cups of tea and lent us an umbrella and knocked on one of their friend's doors who they knew had a baby who would have nappies and wipes and other stuff that we needed. And we stood outside our house until gone midnight with the emergency services and ringing insurance companies. And in all of that time, we felt peaceful. 
because we follow Jesus into things and he doesn't send us out on our own. He's there with us. And one of our neighbors commented that he couldn't believe how calm we were in it. And for the next few days, our friends put us up and then we lived in a little Airbnb for a while and the work that should have taken maybe two months took six months because COVID. Um, and, but Jesus was with us in that too. My, we spent lockdown living at my parents' house um, and they live in a lovely big family home with a massive garden and fields at the end of the road for walking in. And our house is a little, little terrace with a tiny little garden and no fields. Um, and so it was the best place to spend lockdown. And my faith had never been stronger than in that season. God blessed us with every spiritual blessing. When in the physical, nobody would have looked at us and said, oh, the Kemp's are so blessed right now. <laughs> but we were, we were so blessed. And whatever your situation right now, I'm, and I'm not belittling any situation, some of you will be in the middle of some really difficult stuff, but whatever your situation, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so we're going to unpack some of those because there's loads of them in this passage. So verse 3 again said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So God the Father blesses us, and he does it through Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Being in Christ is how we have these blessings. When we become a Christian, we are united with Christ and the Bible talks about our life being hidden in Christ. Everything Jesus has becomes ours. Like if you marry somebody and you have nothing and they have a million pounds. When you're married, legally, what's theirs is yours. And being a follower of Jesus is a bit like being married in that either you're in or you're out. And there's often a process of exploring faith. And often when we look back, we can't put our finger on the moment that we became a Christian, but there is a moment in there when we become in Christ. And when we become one with him, what is his becomes ours. And that means every spiritual blessing becomes ours. And there are lots of them, lots and lots in Ephesians, but we're gonna do four. So um, the blessing of holiness. Verse 4 says, For he chose us before him, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We have been chosen to be holy and blameless in the Father's sight. I don't know how many of you feel holy and blameless. And if you look back at your week, would you assess it as being holy and blameless? I don't think mine was. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that we'd all say no to that question. Um, because Jesus is the only person who has lived a holy, blameless life. So how have we been chosen to be holy and blameless in the Father's sight? Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We get the blessing of holiness through being in Christ. Jesus, who was without sin, went to the cross, took all of our sin, past, present, and future, and he died for it. And we are therefore now holy and blameless in God's sight. And it's not like a wipe the slate clean and try again situation. Now I need to try and be perfect going forward to maintain my position of holiness. You have a position of holiness as a blessing from the Father through being in Christ. And you just have to remain in Christ. A lot of years ago, I can't remember how many, we ran um, a youth weekend away 
we've run lots of youth weekends away. I'm the youth pastor. Uh, and um, some of you will know M. James. She did a gospel talk that was amazing with a really helpful illustration. So, and it's stuck with me ever since, and I'm going to steal it. Um, so you have to imagine that you have a DVD. I realize none of you, well, actually, some of you probably do still have DVDs, but whether you actually put them in the DVD player anymore. We have like two shelves, and they literally don't ever get used. I'm not sure why they're taking up space, but um, anyway, you have a DVD, and on it is recorded everything that you have ever done. Everything you've ever said, everything you've ever thought, all the things that were done or said with the door closed and you hope that nobody ever knows, the things that you have thought but never told anybody that you shove down and pretend never come into your mind. Everything, all of your worst moments, they're all on that DVD. And you are going to have to stand before God and he is going to play that DVD all the way through. And based on what's on there, he's going to decide whether you're holy and blameless and whether you're good enough for his kingdom or for a relationship with him and for a relationship with him. They go together. Um, and everyone has one of these DVDs of their life. And every single one of us is going to fail the test. When God watches our DVDs, it is going to confirm to him that we are in no way holy or blameless. Jesus also has one of these DVDs. And his is the only one that will show that he is good enough, that he is without sin, that he is holy and blameless. And when Jesus went to the cross, he took your DVD and he swapped it for his. And he died for the contents of your DVD. All that stuff you wish wasn't on there and you hope nobody will ever see, he died for it. And when you stand before God and you open your DVD case and hand him your DVD and he plays it, what he will see is the life of Jesus. The holy and blameless life of Jesus Christ is in your DVD case instead of the messy, sinful DVD that should be in there. And so you pass the test. You are holy and blameless in his sight. You are good enough for the kingdom of God. Your, your life is hidden with Christ. In Christ, you have the blessing of holiness. And it doesn't mean that we should just carry on sinning because I've got Jesus' DVD already anyway. Paul, if you want to read it, very directly addresses this in Romans chapter 6. Go there and you'll be in no uncertain terms. Um, but this is the blessing of holiness that we have. That when God goes to watch our DVD, he sees Jesus' life. And we are therefore holy and blameless in his sight. So that was the blessing of holiness. The second blessing in this passage is the blessing of adoption. Um, verse 5 says, In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. As followers of Jesus, we are adopted by God the Father. He becomes our Father. And some of you will find this difficult because, you're, because of your experience of your earthly father or maybe because of your experience of not having an earthly father. But we can't skip over this. God as our Father is really important. When Jesus' disciples ask him how to pray, the first thing he says is that we should address God as our Father. It is intimate and affectionate. God 
is our king and he is our savior, but we're not approaching God with the attitude of petitioning the king. We're not approaching a distant ruler. There's no etiquette. There's no rules about how we approach him. We're given permission to approach him as our father, as our kind and loving dad. You can run and jump at him. You can sulk. You can like ramble about everything you're excited about. You can shout at him. You can ask him loads of questions. He's your dad. And so what does that actually mean for us? So firstly, access. He's not distant. There's not scheduled times when he is available. He is available whenever we need him. I don't know if any of you have ever worked with the parent of a teenager who has a phone. No matter what is happening, if they're teenager rings, they always go, oh, I'm really sorry. I just, it's, it's my son or my daughter. I'm just going to check everything's okay. And their, their child comes first in every situation. They have access to their parents at all times. And we have access to God like that. Any time we need him, he's there. Secondly, inheritance. Some of you, when I read that passage, it grated on you. I'm going to read it to you again. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. It grated on you because Paul says adoption to sonship. What about me? Do I get adopted as a daughter as well? It's not a typo. It's not the Bible being sexist. In Roman culture, only sons were heirs. Only sons inherited the property of their fathers. And Paul, throughout the New Testament, says to both men and women that we are adopted as sons. And what he is saying isn't, it isn't that, there's, that women don't get adopted or that women are less. It is that we get the inheritance from our father, whether we are male or female, because we're all adopted with the status of sons. We are co-heirs with Christ. All that Jesus inherits as the son of the father, we also inherit. We inherit every spiritual blessing. And thirdly, God as our father gives us security. If God was our boss, then we could get sacked for bad behavior. Lots of us probably should have been sacked for bad behavior. If he was our friend, then that friendship could be cut off by us just repeatedly pushing him away or pushing him away too hard. But God is our father. And no matter what our behavior is, that never changes. He always loves us. He will, we will always have access to him. And again, that might not be your experience of a father because your experience of a father is of an imperfect father. But God is our perfect father. He will never push us away. We will always have the security of knowing that he is our father. In Christ, we are adopted into sonship. And we therefore have a father who loves us who listens to us, who is available to us, who blesses us, who has an inheritance for us. So that's the blessing of adoption. Thirdly, the passage talks about the blessing of redemption. Verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So to redeem is to buy something, to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. And this passage says we have been redeemed by his blood, by Jesus' blood. In a culture of slavery, you could pay a ransom for a slave to free them. And without Jesus, we are all slaves. We're slaves to sin. And Jesus' blood releases us from that slavery. But even with Jesus, we can sometimes end up heading back towards slavery when we let things have too big of a hold on our heart. What are you inclined to give your heart to? 
What do you use to measure your importance or how well you're doing? Is it a career? Is it money? Having a family? Your family looking like they've got it all together? Your looks, your body, what others think of you? Maybe it's not something that defines how well you're doing, but it's where you go for comfort, to shopping or porn or binge-watching the TV or alcohol or food. And not all of the things I've just listed are intrinsically bad, but it is a helpful question to ask yourself. What am I giving my heart to that isn't Jesus? And how much of a hold does it have over me? If we don't continually surrender every aspect of our life to Jesus, we end up enslaved to things. Like me in January 2020, saying to the Lord, I'm not sure if I really would go anywhere for you anymore. I was enslaved by the need for comfort and security. But Jesus has paid the price to free us from slavery, and that price was his blood, his life. When we become Christians, when we're in Christ, we have been redeemed. The price has been paid for our freedom. But we also have to keep checking that we're not letting anything have a hold on us. Nothing has the right to enslave us anymore. We are set free in Jesus. But it is easy to get entangled in things again. And we have to continually bring them before Jesus and confess them and ask him to set us free. But his blood has already bought our freedom. And the final blessing that we're going to look at in this passage is the blessing of forgiveness. Again, that same verse. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. This is a very depressing question. But what is the thing in your life that you regret the most? Don't worry, you don't have to tell me or anybody else. Um, I was once in a car with my sisters and Dave and my cousin. And uh, it was a really long car journey. And so we were coming up with icebreaker questions. And uh, after a few icebreaker questions, my cousin said, what's the thing in your life that you regret the most? It's a bit of a mood killer. It's not, like, not an icebreaker, the opposite of an icebreaker. Um, but everybody has an answer to the question. We've all messed up. And for many of us, the thing that we regret the most is the thing that we now have to live in the impact of. We have to live with the implications of it. And we need forgiveness. And the Bible says that forgiveness is available to us. Depending on your personality, you will have a different response to your own personal sin. Um, you might deny it. Just, I didn't do it. just never happened. Um, you might blame someone else. This is what Adam does in Genesis when like, Eve made me eat the apple. I, I assume she didn't actually force feed him. But he like, transfers all of the blame in his mind to her. You might excuse it. There's a reason I behaved like that. I can explain. There are extenuating circumstances. This is what I am inclined to do. You can diminish it. It's not that big of a deal. Lots of people have done worse. You can hide it and hope that you don't get caught. You can punish yourself and feel like you deserve to suffer, to pay God back or pay back the person you have wronged. Which is most like you? What are you most inclined to do? None of them are great ways to deal with our sin. But there is a secret option, number seven. There were six previous options. Um, we can be forgiven. Some of Jesus' final words from the cross were, Father, forgive them. If you are in Christ, you are forgiven. We are all forgiven. No matter how big or small your sin, we have forgiveness available for us in Jesus. And would the Holy Spirit enable you to feel that, that you are forgiven? 
for whatever that thing is, whatever it is that you regret the most, and also all of the other things. You are forgiven in Jesus. And it doesn't mean that we don't live with the consequences or put the effort in to fix any hurt that we've caused, but it does mean that we don't have to carry around the shame with us anymore. We are forgiven in Christ Jesus. The debt has been paid for our sins. So we have every spiritual blessing because we are in Christ. And that means we are holy in God's sight. We have the position of sons and heirs in the kingdom of God. We are redeemed. Nothing has the right to enslave us anymore. And we are forgiven. Praise Jesus. (laughs) 